want to welcome everybody to the Bethel Podcast. So glad to have you tuning in today. And we got a great interview coming up with our youth pastor, Pastor Brock Wright. Yay! <laughs> welcome, Brock. Thank you. Good to have you. Excited to be here. So what I want to do here this uh, today is just kind of walk through a little bit of uh, your journey about how you got here and uh, just some of the stops along the way in your life. And maybe we can talk a little bit about youth ministry yeah. and uh, see where the conversation takes us here awesome. today. <laughs> so I knew that you grew up, grew up in the East Coast. Yes. Uh, yeah, you kind of claim that you're from the West Coast, so we'll have to figure all that out. But you're born, raised in Halifax. Yes, yeah, Halifax, yeah, Nova Scotia. Scotia. Yeah. yeah. And how long did you live there for? Uh, I lived there for about fourteen years, I think. Yeah. Okay. 14, so when you just be just teenagers, when yeah. you moved to Ontario. Yes. Okay, so you started in Nova Scotia. Your parents are pastors. Yeah. So you grew up in a PAOC church. Yeah. Yeah. What's some memories that you have of Nova Scotia uh, those days? <laughs> I love Nova Scotia. I uh, my my memories are a lot of snowstorms and hurricanes uh, being on the East Coast, um, and I just remember like just the hospitality of people and being on the East Coast. No one locked their doors. Everyone was welcome. Yeah. Yep. And uh, which which was hard when we first moved to Ontario to Toronto. Okay, it was a very different because now you're culture. locking your doors and, <laughs> yeah. and uh, people are a bit more guarded. Yeah, hiding your kids, hiding your wife. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So those are your early childhood memories. Yeah. Growing up in the church and all that. Yeah. Your dad moves to well, your parents move yeah. and the whole family moves to Ontario. <laughs> Because your dad became pastor of a church in Brampton, yes, just north of Toronto, yeah. or part of Toronto, and so he's still there to this day. He's right? still there, yeah. So he started that church. Is that what I understand? Or yes, he. It was. Uh, it's a very complicated story okay. that I don't remember the, all the details, so okay. I hate to speak. Right. Of the, so okay. So he started, or maybe it was a church, but it was kind of done and it, yeah. he regenerated it. Right. And, I think it was a, technically a church plant out of a church that. Um, Stopped existing. Okay. <laughs> something along those lines. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, but a lot of sense he was pioneering. Something. Yes. Yeah. 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 So you moved to Ontario, 14, yes. about that age. Yeah. And um, I know that you were connected with Brayside Camp a little bit. Yeah. Didn't you serve as a, like a lifeguard there or something? <laughs> I served my time there as a lifeguard, yeah. <laughs> you served your time. <laughs> okay, great. And uh, so Ontario, and then at some point you moved out West. Yes. British Columbia, is that right? Uh, Alberta first. Alberta first. Yeah, when I so, graduated high school, I left. Ontario uh, was my Nineveh, in a sense. Okay. I thought, I, I need to go and um, go to Bible school and figure my life out, and and I I didn't have a desire to come back to Ontario. I love Ontario, but mm. I, I, I wanted to... West Coast was kind of where our culture was going, West Coast, Best Coast. I kept hearing that, so okay. I wanted to move out that... Direction and you went out there to attend a Bible school. Yes. And how old would you have been at that time? Uh, well, first I actually went to YWAM in Hawaii. So I skipped the West Coast okay. and went to the Pacific Ocean. Okay. And then I went to Alberta, and I think I was 19 or... Tw- yeah, 19. Okay. 18 or 19, one of those, okay. somewhere around there. Sure. Yeah. So you so the first trip out of Ontario was to Hawaii. Yeah. What yeah. a place. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, for for YWAM. Yeah. So in case our listeners don't know, YWAM is called, yeah, it's short for Youth with a Mission. 
and it's a uh, missions organization, especially geared towards young people, but now not just for young people, but a lot of times young people out of high school or just college age, but people of all ages, but they, there's bases all over the world. Right. People go and they do discipleship training mm-hmm. and then outreaches, and it's a, just a huge missions organization. Yeah. And it's a little bit of a joke, but I mean, it's serious, but <laughs> the, the base is, uh, their main base, main campus is in Honolulu. Hawaii. Yeah. Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah, so you got kids all the time, like, raising support to go on the missions trip to Hawaii. <laughs> this is the, you know. It's but it is a Jesus. very legitimate thing. And uh, it's a great, actually a great organization. I've done work with YWAM. Mm-hmm. So you end up in Hawaii. Yeah. And I'm sure that was really tough. Yeah. <laughs> actually, it may have been. Yeah. I don't know. Well, uh, when I first went to Hawaii, I wasn't, uh, so I didn't become a Christian till I was about 19 years old. Okay. And when I got to Hawaii, that was my moment where I'm like, hey, Lord, here's six months. You're either real or you're not real. Okay. And that was, uh, for me, that was a very important moment in my life where God became very real to me. Uh, the power of God and just the Holy Spirit and giving visions. And and I knew from that point on that I needed to follow Jesus. And right. I, I felt the call of ministry uh, in that moment in Hawaii. That's what led me to Bible school because I didn't know much about the Bible. And I thought to teach the Bible, I should know a few things. Right. So that led me to Bible school. Okay, so you had a few rebellious years, I'm thinking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not so much rebellious years, just uh, doubting years. And, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, which a lot of, maybe we can touch on that because a lot of people do, you know, the young people go through that. It's part of even just growing up, trying right. to get their identity, you yeah. know. You, you grow up in a home and you're trying to find your way. And mm. so we can touch on that a little bit. But let's just stay with what we're going. So you end up in Hawaii. You're at a YWAM base six months. Yeah. So you do what they call a DTS, Discipleship yeah. Training School. And then you go on a missions outreach, right? Yeah. So part of that six months was going somewhere. Yes. Southeast Asia is where. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so what was that experience like for you? Um, that was amazing. That was where I, I, so I decided, it was three months, I was traveling to Thailand, Nepal, and Bangladesh. Wow. Um, and I, I made a commitment to myself that I'd read the entire Bible in those three months. And I actually finished the Bible in a month because I just kept reading it and I it just kept being overwhelmed with all these stories. Like I heard about um, David and Goliath and had no idea where in the Bible that was. I just remember it on a flannel graph and just hearing it from the Bible and reading it, I just kept becoming overwhelmed with all the stories and how the Bible all connected. And it just became uh, alive to me where I was in countries like Nepal with a a whole bunch of different idols. And when you're in the Old Testament and you see people worshiping idols, it, it became alive to me that this still exists. So right. it was it was just such a an amazing experience to see the world and Okay. So you have uh, you're you're kind of in a thing of just figuring life out and mm-hmm. what what the future's going to be and even just questions of faith. Right. You go to YWAM. Uh, you have this interest. You you I know you're quite a reader. Yeah. Uh, you read uh, quite a bit. Like even a book a week or something, right? You just kind try of, to. Try to, yeah. If I don't make it in a week, I read Jude. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, not just the Bible, though. Even yeah. like other books, yeah. yeah. So you read the whole Bible in a month, yeah. which actually says something's something's going on there because yeah. the Spirit of God's at work in your heart. So you make a decision then to go to Bible school. Yeah. So you head to Edmonton. Yes. Yes. For Vanguard College. Vanguard College. Yeah. And you were there for a year? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then you decided 
Um, enough of Bible college. <laughs> <laughs> no, then I... So in my first year of Bible college, uh, we did... Um, it's called an HMS, His Majesty's Service Program. And that sends you back overseas okay. for the whole second semester. You're in a new country every week. And our first stop as we were going to Asia was in Vancouver. And I, I don't know how I left the airport, probably by accident. And I just heard the Lord say, you're coming here next year. And I was like, okay. So the whole time I was in Asia, I was looking into Bible schools in British Columbia. And I found Summit Pacific and okay. ended up there. All right. So so you made a switch then. You went from one school to the other. And uh, that was a good move for you, though? Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then you completed Bible school at Pacifica, is that? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, some Pacific, yeah. Some Pacific, right. Yeah. Okay, so that's our Bible school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you graduated there, yes. and you did a few more things with YWAM or something? Yeah, when I graduated, I was looking for pastoral positions, and I just kept hearing the Lord say, uh, it's, you have to go back to Hawaii and I didn't argue. Okay. <laughs> so I went back to YWAM for two years. Yeah. Uh, and then after two years, I I had a call from a pastor uh, from a church in Chilliwack, British Columbia, and I transitioned into pastoral ministry. Okay. Yeah. Now, you're married. You have a wife named Kirsten. Yes. And it was on that... When you felt the Lord say, go back to Hawaii, yeah, that's when you met, right? Because right. she was there and... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so... So, was it love at first sight? <laughs> um, we were friends at first sight. Yeah. Friends for two years and yeah. had no no uh, desire to be anything more than that until we left Hawaii and realized we make a good team and right. we actually have a crush on each other. <laughs> okay, very good. So, it was the absence made the heart grow fonder. Yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> very good. So, she was doing the YWAM as well and you guys even went on some outreaches together and... Uh, not together, but same locations. Okay. So one after the other. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now, um, when I kind of found you, you had concluded a pastoral ministry time. Yeah. And you were actually working right downtown Vancouver mm-hmm. uh, in a, uh, like, a, is it an outreach? What, what was it called? Like a drug rehab? Uh, it's not uh, rehab. It's, it's a safe injection site. Safe injection site. That's it. So responding to drug overdoses during the fentanyl crisis. So you've seen some pretty wild stuff. Yeah. Because that's right on Hastings, yeah, is it? East Hastings. East Hastings. So yeah. if you've ever been to Vancouver, it's quite a thing to drive up East Hastings yeah. And there's like about several blocks, maybe four or five blocks or more, but uh, of, they say it's the poorest, right, yeah. in, of all of Canada? Yeah, poor zip code. And then you kind of cross the street, and then you're in like the wealthiest. Yeah, West so, Hastings. West Hastings. Yeah. Okay. But you're going down to East Hastings. Yeah. And just kind of monitoring people who were on drugs and yeah. safe injection sites. Right. Yeah. So how was that experience? <laughs> Uh, it was a, it was a learning experience for sure. I, yeah. I. So that's a nice way to put something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I. It was during that time I I kept asking the Lord like, what are you doing here? What are, what is your plan for this block and these drug addicts? And I I just kept asking myself when did the church become so safe? And I I noticed that on that street of East Hastings, the church stayed in West Hastings, and they stayed on the very end of East Hastings, but never went to the heart of it. Okay. And I was, 
I met a lot of believers who were doing ministry down there. Right. And it was just such an interesting experience for me that just, you know, finding Jesus in the broken places and how okay. how does the church reach into those areas. And So you were, um, like, you've obviously witnessed some pretty dramatic stuff, people overdosing. Yeah, or, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So uh, quite a journey. And uh, so even though you were born in the East Coast, I know you kind of almost connect a little bit more like a West Coast guy, <laughs> but then you get a call from this guy <laughs> um, looking for a youth pastor yeah. and back to Ontario, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So um, we connected. So the way we connected was uh, a friend of mine who's a relative of yours, mm-hmm. Sue Ketty, who used to be our Western Ontario District Women's Director for the Pentecostal Assemblies. Now Trisha's got that role. But uh, Sue Kenny uh, has been a missionary for years and then and then doing women's ministry. And so I had put it out there. I was looking for a youth pastor. And um, she said, I got the guy for you. It's my nephew, yeah. Brock, right? And yeah. Yeah, she's your aunt. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we made a connection and had you come. And so um, I know you were really open to whatever possibilities, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. I think coming here when we were just kind of interviewing stuff was kind of the thing that uh, mm-hmm. so, something spoke to you, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was when we first landed. Okay. And came into this church. Right. There was something different. That's what Kirsten and I just kept saying. There's something different about this church that we need to be a part of. Right. And so we just had to Very be a good. part of it. Yeah. So a few times you said in our conversation, like I heard the Lord say or whatever, yeah. uh, how does that work for you? How do you know when God's speaking to you? Um, I know it's kind of a big question in some ways, but right. yeah. Um, it all depends. There's been moments in my life where I've heard the voice. Some is just an impression in the heart where it's like it, there's just a drawing. Yeah. Uh, this, this, I know this is what where the Lord is leading. So it's all dependent on the situation. Sure. Yeah. So just like sometimes a strong feeling or just even yeah. sometimes a knowing, right? Yeah, it's, like... it's just a, I know that we have to. Cursed when we were leaving the church and we were driving back to the airport. Leaving with your time at Bethel. Yeah, leaving. So we came and we had an interview. We had an interview and then we were heading. It all out. Yeah, and so we were on the highway heading back and we both looked at each other and we were like, we're coming here. This okay. is where we're coming. And it was that feeling in our hearts that we just know that this is where we're supposed to be. Great. Well, we're really, really glad to have you. And uh, so you've been here now a full year. Yeah, about a, a year lo- and a half. About yeah. a year and a half, yeah. yeah. Coming on two years. So in that time, you came here for a few months, and then we, uh, I say let you, but, you know, <laughs> uh, we had, you went back home to, back home, back to British Columbia to get married. Yeah. And so you had had that, and then um, and then you've been here now, yeah, for sure a full year and a, and a bit, almost yeah. a year and a half. And uh, so talk to me a little bit about some of your philosophy about youth ministry. Uh, you're a youth pastor now, mm-hmm. uh, year and a half here, uh, which that sounds like crazy to me because to me it's like you've just arrived. But, I know. Um, and uh, obviously some youth experience with YWAM and then even in the church you're at before, you were doing some youth ministry. Yeah. So it's not, uh, you, you've been at this for a little while in different capacities. Mm-hmm. And uh, just what's your thoughts as you look at culture today, as you look at youth ministry today, where teenagers are at, what, uh, what's in your mind and heart? Yes, that's a huge question. Huge. For, <laughs> <laughs> um, I've always, I don't know what it is about my, the way I think and the way I process, but I'm always asking the question, can it look differently 
and how do we make it look like, how do we make it adapt to the culture? How can the church look differently to reach uh, the next generation? And uh, I, I saw a picture from a pastor, his name is uh, Bill Markham, and in uh, a number of years ago, there was a devastating hurricane in Honduras, and they, they built this bridge, and there was uh, f- such flooding that the river actually shifted away from the bridge. So the bridge was built before the hurricane. Yes, yeah, so there was a so solid was bridge solid, yeah. uh, built, and the, it served the purpose so well before the hurricane. It Like, you could cross. There was never an accident uh, with the bridge falling apart on that that bridge, and it worked. It served its purpose so well. But after the hurricane, there was such flooding upriver that the river actually moved um, away from the bridge. So now the bridge is standing over dry land. And he related it to culture, that that our roots in the church, they were beautiful and they served such an amazing purpose. But culture has now shifted. And uh, it seems as though the bridge is now on dry land and culture is in a different area. And how do we, the question is, how do we reach this culture that has shifted in a new direction? How can we better serve the people that are in this culture? And um, how does the church meet that need? Right. And So kind of the, the old saying, like the, um, um, the message stays the same, but methods sometimes can change, right? Yeah. Or, or have to change. Right. right. Um, yeah, and so kind of my, the way that, so there's such an information overload in our generation and that's not uh, a surprise to anyone. We all have cell phones. We have the world in our pocket. Um, So anything, any question we ever have, we can ask Google and Google seems to have a answer, not always the right answer, but a answer to our questions. Uh, And so there used to be this saying that a BA would teach you how to think, critically think. A master's degree would teach you how to teach and a doctorate would teach you how to teach people how to think. And so most of us in our the older generation, we, we, we didn't have to necessarily critically think until we were in college or university because we had good, solid teaching our whole way. Our parents raised us in the church, and we knew right from wrong. Whereas nowadays, we are, our culture has shifted where our iPhones are doing more of the discipling than our parents, our teachers, and our pastors. Um, and, and so the first thing that students here usually become the foundation of their beliefs. So whether that's sexuality, identity, uh, even questions about God, they're hearing that from classmates and things in their school or the internet because, uh, they're more comfortable to ask Google than they are to ask a teacher or their parents or a pastor because of, it might be an uncomfortable question. So we find that, our phones are are doing more of the discipling and teaching in this area. So for me, I'm always at, like asking, how do we reach this generation that is being discipled by their phones? How does the church reach this, reach this generation and teach them at such an early age how to critically think between what is true and what is false? Right. So my opinion is that the church, by and large has not done a very good job of preparing young people for the bigger questions. So what I mean by that is, um, like, the church has done a pretty good job over the years of teaching kids uh, stories of the Bible, especially when they're young, like story of David and Goliath and Daniel and Lion's Den, but they just have these kind of stories that almost later on feel like myth- mythical stories. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, so we have some of the stories, and some things are right and wrong, 
but not even the explanation as to why it's wrong, right. just that this is wrong, this is right, or mm -hmm. whatever. And then obviously the culture is challenging that in a huge way. And uh, then when they get post-secondary education and they're being further challenged more, they're not at all prepared. And yeah. so, you know, everybody knows there's been a huge exodus in, in our North American culture. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's the same everywhere, but certainly in, in Canada, for sure, in the States, uh, what do they say, even upwards to 90%, which means the statistic is alarming, 90% mm -hmm. uh, of students will end up leaving the church, that grew up in the church, like mm -hmm. it's wow. And um, so, um, you know, I, but I think we haven't, we haven't done a good job in helping young people uh, with the evidences of things, like right. why we believe God exists, mm -hmm. evidence for the existence of God, like why we believe in creationism. And, mm -hmm. you know, so youth groups, and I'm not saying there's not a place for this, but, you know, over the years it's always just give your all to Jesus, give your all to Jesus. So there's an emotional response, but not necessarily a head right. thought out through response. And yeah. then when it's challenged, mm -hmm. they don't have the means to answer, yeah. like, why we believe the Gospels is the Word of God. And, yeah. and you know, and just a few little things are thrown at them mm -hmm. from some atheists or things on YouTube. And like, I know yeah. a lot of young people do watch yeah. Uh, things on YouTube or, or other social social means um, that are challenging. Uh, a lot of comedians, of mm -hmm. course, uh, really mocking. So there's a mocking, and who wants to be made fun of, right? right? And so when you don't have that strong grounding, and then of course there's the sin nature involved in all of us. So there's just this sin nature that pulls us towards things that aren't always good for us, unless you have a real solid faith and the reason for your faith. So easy to become a statistic and fall by the wayside, right? Right. So right. I think that, uh, so my opinion is that in our youth ministry, and you know, when a kid's got lots of things on the go, it's a little challenging to, okay, let's have a six-point talk on, although I think maybe it might be interesting, but you know, like why God exists, or, mm -hmm. but we have to try to deal with some of these things. Yeah. Um, um, you know, how to defend your faith, the apologetics teaching, but obviously done in a way that, um, yeah. is in, in, in this culture, right? Like, mm -hmm. speaks their language. Yeah. You can't just be pulling out a Josh McDowell book right. and uh, just yeah. going through. I don't know if you know who Josh McDowell is, but do you know Sean McDowell, his son? I, I don't. Okay, so these are apologetics guys. Yeah. Josh McDowell wrote the book, Evidence That the Man's a Verdict. Right. So he was yes, I have read that very book, yeah. popular back in, uh, like, 70s, 80s. Mm -hmm into the 90s, yeah. yeah. He's an older older gentleman, yet still alive, still great talks. Mm -hmm. Anyway, what I'm getting at is, um, you know, it has to be communicated in a way that it's, it's like a bit of a different language. Yeah. And um, then I also am still convinced that, um, you know, they people have to have a, a God encounter, like yeah. a, a, an encounter with the Spirit of God that revolutionizes their life. Yeah. Because you can argue all day theology, you can argue all day, but when you've had an experience of something touches you, mm -hmm. um, it's a pretty big impact. So yeah. to me, yes, the education and the... Because to be born again, and here I'm doing all the talking, but I want you to talk about <laughs> To be born again is not just to have a theological agreement. Yes, it's to agree about you know who Jesus is and, and about sin and about... Uh, you know, just understanding salvation, but it's to actually have an experience with God where you're moved from darkness to light. And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, these two things, I think, are very key 
that our young people need to be touched by the Lord, need to be filled with the Spirit, need to... Now, if we just do that and not give the other, they're still very vulnerable mm-hmm. because we have to um, give reasons for the faith that are solid, right? Yeah. Uh, if you yeah. speak to any of that. Yes. Yeah, so you mentioned the statistic about 90% leaving the church, and uh, that is a very alarming thing for youth pastors in our generation because if that remains the course, the church, if we don't change, the church won't exist. Right. So there's a there's a call to youth pastors in in a, there has to be something different. There has to be and there's some positives about this generation that I see like even while I'm speaking and it's a challenge to youth pastors that you have to be studying the word. You have to be um, studying the language of the youth, how to deliver the message uh, of the gospel to the youth. Because even while I've, I'm speaking, I'll have youth fact checking me. They'll be looking up on Google, okay. and 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 that's a that's one positive about this generation is they are seeking. They're wanting because there's so much uh, falsehood that's being fed to them hours and hours on their phone that they are trying to decipher what is true. So us as pastors, we're called to to know our information because our youth are fact checking us and they're they're wanting to know what is truth right which is a positive that i i see in this generation that they're wanting to know they're seeking right um and some of the this uh social media culture one thing that i do see um about this, I've, I've mentioned it a few times that our phones are discipling our youth more than our church is. Uh, there, and there's some things even that our Christian youth have adopted about, um, about from our, our media and from our things along those lines is this huge uh, topic of identity. And, and it's one reason for me why I feel like youth feel so lost in our day and age is because we all have social medias, whether that's TikTok or Instagram or, or Snapchat or all these things. And they're asking one question. You get, you get to, you have the opportunity. You must, you must create your own identity. Mm. You must create this, uh, who you are online. And that oftentimes is not who we actually are. Right. And, and we have this idea that you have to find your identity. You have to like just seek it out, whether that's uh, through social media or trips or adventures or any kind of way to try and find your identity. But identity is not something that's found. It's given by us, by God. And it's uh, the identity is rooted in us as, as children of the King. And, and so that's, there's, there's, a whole bunch of things along these lines where we just, because we're so connected to our phones, there's things that sneak into the church that we have to address um, because we're adapting them as truth, even though they might not necessarily be truth. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm a student of this culture. I, I, I tell Pastor Tim this all the time that I haven't figured it all out, that I'm, I'm learning, but there's, there's a couple things that I've, I've told him that I'm waiting for him to figure it all out so he can let me know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, there's a couple things that I have found to be, um, helpful in this culture. Three things that I just thought of before I came into this interview. And, and the first that I'm finding that youth are, are more willing to be challenged than sometimes we're willing to challenge them. Mm. Uh, so many times we've watered down our preaching or right. we've not necessarily shortened our messages, but we've, we've dumbed them down. We've put the cookie on the bottom shelf. Uh, and so our youth just eat it. And as soon as they leave, it's like there was nothing of value. Right. And I believe that they're willing to seek it out and to be challenged. That's good. And so that's a call to our generation is we, we don't need to make it easier 
um, the gospel doesn't need to be uh, dumbed down for them, that they're willing to reach for it. Um, Another thing that I've come to know is that students need to see clear truth. Uh, because if you tell your opinion over the word, they can see through that. And as I said, like I've had students fact checking me and seeing if it's true. So if my opinions don't line up with the word, if it's just what I've been raised to believe, uh, there's, there's a questioning period in their life where they're like, Hey, the scripture says this, but your opinion says this. So there's a challenge to us to constantly be going back to the word and seeking truth ourselves before we preach truth. Um, and last year, uh, last, last point is we more than ever have to be teaching our students how to critically think, how to navigate in a world that sin is all around them because, uh, there's such a generational shift, uh, where the internet is now in, in our kids' pockets and our students' pockets that we can't expect our students not to see pornography or explicit things on the internet. Um, we can't just ignore that. We have to be open and honest and t- teach them how to deal with these pitfalls that they're, they're in. We can't just ignore them and wait till a, they're an adult to talk about. It's something that we have to direct, uh, directly address um, to them and warn them of the dangers of, of things that society says are okay and natural and that you should explore these things. Um, we as a church need to rise up to um, let them know of, hey, these things will destroy your life if right. you're not careful. Right. So I think all those are really, uh, those are excellent points. And actually, I just thought, because today, I just wanted to have a little bit more of a get to know you. And uh, somewhere down the line, it'd be good for us to take one of these topics and really kind of dig down and really have a good discussion about, uh, yeah. you know, uh, about some of these things that we're addressing. So we're not just touching on it, but really trying to bring it all out and have a good have a good discussion about it I just think uh, one thought I have too is just one more uh, thought and that is um, you know there's a lot of loneliness out there yeah even though like we're supposed to be the most connected you know it's like we have all these products of technology to make our lives easier yet we feel more busier than mm-hmm. ever and more like you know we have all these things so that to reduce time uh, time constraint, but yet we don't have enough time. And so we have, you know, through social media and things like just so much connection, but there's a lot of loneliness. In fact, you know, one of the challenges, of course, just people on social media, not just youth, but like even just getting relationships with, with total strangers mm-hmm. and opening up. And then, of course, the risk that's not even who you're, you think you're talking to, but, yeah. but there's deep loneliness. So I just really see as well. Yes, I, I agree with those points and that, you know, young people, they, we, we tend to not challenge them enough, we, we, but also the aspect of discipleship, but not like as a program, but out of relationship, mm-hmm. you know? It's not just like come to this program that we're doing on Wednesday nights and it's a discipleship thing, but really walking with some students, really walking, like getting in their lives, having that relationship, of course, requires time, and mm-hmm. that's the big challenge, but... I don't know, does that speak to you at all? Like, like the, we're, they're looking for authenticity right. and they need that um, that relationship that's beyond just the social media thing. Like, yeah. like let's put their social media down for like right. five minutes, yeah. <laughs> which would be crises or some. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like like that the authentic relationship, because I think it's I think there's a, a loneliness and a cry for it. Right. They might not articulate that, may not even have that conscious thought. Yeah. But I think it's a reality. I don't think it's just with you. I think it's with, in a sense, every everyone, but particularly this youth generation. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, they have this identity on social media. They have some connections. But do they really have connections? Right. Does, so I, do they really feel that like somebody cares? Yeah. So I read this book by John Ortberg. It's called Eternity is Now in Session. And he talks about uh, addiction. And he had this uh, quote in it that it's very hard to be satisfied with something that almost works. And that's the promise of social media is that they will create this sense of community and we have such an isolated, connected generation where we're constantly scrolling our feed because it, in, our, in our hearts it feels like it almost works. Yeah. But then we'll close the app, two seconds later we'll open it back up because it almost worked that time. Right. And it creates this sense of addiction that we need to keep checking our phones and our and our apps and our social media and and all of a sudden we're more isolated than we were and it really the to me i i often think that uh loneliness is worse than poverty because it's it is just creates this uh, isolation and it this place of despair um, and lack of community and i do think that that will be the strength of the church is one of the last places where you can have face-to-face community with people. Right. And I think that is the strength of youth group. It's a place where youth are so desperately seeking a place to belong and actually belong, not an artificial app that they're on the outside feeling like an outsider, but a place that they can go to where they can be themselves, their true selves and belong. Right. So we obviously have some huge challenges, but I don't think we should be throwing up our hands in the air like, oh, like right. almost giving up. And because I think there's huge opportunities and huge potential mm-hmm. uh, if we can tap into, you know, yeah. uh, we have the culture, we have just sin nature and people that we have a tendency to go the wrong way anyway. Mm-hmm. So we have to battle that with the, the words of culture, the whole. But boy, um, the opportunity to, you know, when when come into authentic community and really show you care and answer that, you know, that sense of loneliness where they feel a connection and, and then equip them and challenge them, mm-hmm. the potential to raise up some pretty strong, Yeah. but it's going to take some real strength in this day, right? Yeah. Of, of, to stand against the, uh, yeah. but I'm certainly not pessimistic um, yeah. because I really believe that I me and Jesus still said, I'll build my church come on. and the gates of hell will not prevail. And that, uh, you know, God's not taken by surprise of anything that's going on. Yeah. And, um, you know, there can be another Jesus movement. There can be another youth movement that, yeah. um, where they recognize the lies that are in culture. Mm-hmm. And while there's certainly many that become statistics, there's going to be another generation that God always has a generation. He always yeah. says, you know. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So, uh, anyway, it's great. I'd like to, at a future time, Brock, uh, let's maybe take just even a, a certain subject or something that we can really... Um, get deeper into it, really, For really sure. kind of discuss it out and, yeah. and uh, wrestle these issues. And I think it's interesting. And obviously, for parents that might be listening today, there's probably more parents than youth. But um, uh, you know, even it's huge challenge today in parenting teenagers and what that should look like. And mm-hmm. and um, you know, the youth pastor's job is not to parent kids. The youth pastor's job is just to be a, a support to mm-hmm. the parenting and you know, a resource and a place to to help. Anyway, so you have youth, you have junior high on Wednesday nights. Yeah. And it starts at 6 p.m. 6 to 7.30, 6 yeah. to 7.30, junior yeah. high. And uh, it's a, lots of activity, lots yeah. of energy. High energy. Yeah. Uh, just a great 
just a great safe place to make friends and have a good time and learn about Jesus. Great. And then senior high, we yeah. call it Revo. Yeah. So junior high is called Rescue. Senior high Revo is on Thursday nights, and that's at 7, seven till to like 9. nine. Yeah. 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 And the whole upstairs area is working out great. Yes. We yeah. have a beautiful facility for youth. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. And uh, so this, uh, well, we're going to put this out th- this week. We're uh, this coming Sunday night, October the 27th, uh, Pastor Brock's going to be preaching. Yeah. And uh, so if you're listening to that, that this week, and you can look forward to coming here, Pastor Brock, on the Sunday night, and uh, or pick up the, uh, the, the, uh, the video once it gets out, and uh, it's great. So anyway, great, Brock, to have this time, just have a little time to get to know you, and yeah. And now you can say uh, I'm an Ontario, yeah. <laughs> Ontario guy. Yeah. East Coast guy, West Coast guy. You got the whole country covered. Yeah. Yeah. But we're really blessed having you, and um, you know we just believe God's going to do great things mm-hmm. through your life, not just here at Bethel in years to come, but uh, certainly in this season right now. And and we're really appreciative. So. Yeah. God Thanks bless for you. having me. All right.